Hey folks, welcome back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 164. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 164. Uh, so happy to have uh, Wheeler Mormon in the house. What's up, we? Happy to be back. Um, do a little sports nerding out. Yeah. Got to bring that mic closer to your mouth. Yeah. Or lean in a little bit. Thank you. Um, Thank yeah, you. we got a special uh, Wheelers here because we haven't talked about the Pels since the NBA uh, God gave us the ping Zion. pong balls and Zion Williamson. We're about to get into that. We're going to talk some uh, NBA finals as well, but we're going to talk Pelicans. We're going to uh, talk Anthony Davis. Uh, I have a little housekeeping to do first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, last week, we last episode, we had on um, uh, Taylor and Andreas from Smiling Meyer. Yep. I went to that reunion show. Uh-huh. That they had it tips. Yeah, and it was phenomenal. It was a great crowd. Like I don't know, five six hundred people at tips. Yeah, awesome. And they and and a lot of special guests. All the original members, you know, um, yes. with Taylor playing Tim's parts. And man, I got to tell you, Taylor's such a sweet guy. Like we came to realize that on, last, sure. on the last episode. And and there were so many family members who came down from Lafayette, right? Um, from their family um, and that was great and it was but you know besides the family members if you looked at the audience makeup it was pretty funny because you had like everyone was 45 to 60 right because yeah, it's yeah. all old Oak Street crowd <laughs> of course right, right, right because yeah. folks Smiley Meyer and like this was a reunion show and they their heyday was like in 96 97 definitely I'm definitely on the young end of do, that spectrum do you remember for sure. did you ever course, see Smiling Myron of course Myron? I went to tons of Smiling Myron shows but when yeah. I, I was a teenager at the time though and that was uh, you yeah. know, early 90s so yeah. I'm definitely on the young age of that spectrum okay sure. <laughs> well when I say 45 yeah me too I'm on this somewhere in the middle I don't know but um, you're definitely in the middle Joel but but there were also because because uh, Taylor um, Tim's a cousin who is a guitarist and played Tim's parts in the reunion show um, plays with the Givers he plays with the Givers and the Givers are a popular band and there were clearly like there was a smattering throughout the <laughs> show of like young Givers fans Givers fans sure a lot of them in the uh, manifesting themselves and in, in, in young kind of cute women forms you know what I mean they were like, yeah there were some fans is what I'm saying sure of Taylor's and the like the uh, sort of disconnect or uh, cognitive dissonance you know it's like wow there's our boy and like we're hanging out with you know 90% of the crowd is 45 to 60 yeah, you know yeah, which yeah. is just a funny contrast <laughs> and the other funny thing was like all the people from that time are so still holding on in my opinion visually to that time same oh, hair man. the same tie-dye shirts <laughs> the same dude the same overalls like holding on all the time or they emptied the closet for they the might have emptied the closet let's, let's yeah. hope they were co- good point <laughs> let's hope they were costuming <laughs> you know what I'm saying because god damn it change your wardrobe bro it's been 20 years no I don't think there was costuming <laughs> <laughs> Um, sad to say, I definitely should have been at that gig. I was, let's call it a little bit under the weather on uh, Saturday night. I stood Joel up from uh, from meeting him down there, but um, I, I, you know, I'm a little embarrassed to admit I would have been dressed quite similar to what I was in 1992. Were I down there, so let me, let me take up for the older people. Well, yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you know, getting back to the giver stuff that uh, yeah. Andreas and Sam and them won the young kids over and had them all dancing and uh, enjoying they, the music that was there instead of the music that maybe they came for. They were, they were, they were befuddled. They were nonplussed. They were enjoying it, but it was the old people who were dancing their asses off for sure. You know, can I? Can I? Uh, but before Taylor, you, before you get into your story, ear I wanna, to ear. he was grinning ear to ear. I mean, he was well, having I mean, the time of his life. Clearly, he was. And look, they played Red Beans and Rice. Yeah, you know? right. If you listen right. to the last episode, that's like the first song he ever learned, and he learned it from Tim. And right, right. It was just sick, and I, I, I have a video of the whole thing. We have a hum. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. I don't know. Is that the AC? I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not sure. Huh. 
Well, folks, tonight we're recording um, at, at Tracy's location. apartment. Yeah, exactly. We had to switch our locations because uh, the uh, fan. <laughs> no, it's not the fan. It's definitely something. I think it's probably the AC kicked on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, maybe we should put some Dutch music on the background. Oh, we can put some Dutch music on in the background. Just, just Hit yeah, I just want to shout out to Amsterdam Philip. Yeah. Um, I bought this uh, record player recently, and uh, AP, I'm about <clears throat> I'm about a quarter of the way through these records here, and I got to say that uh, I'm enjoying every minute of it. It's it's terrific. It's the history just, of uh, post World War II popular Dutch music. Yeah, it's uh, basically it's, yeah. it's amazing. I'm not even sure that some of this is popular Dutch music. To be honest with you, I, mean, I think some of it is maybe unpopular Dutch music that uh, AP liked, but uh, some of it definitely is. It's a great mixture and a great tour through uh, through the the Netherlands and their whole uh, modern uh, rock pop music scene. Yeah, you know, from the '60s up until now, you know, and. Uh, yeah, Joel, the thermostat's right in there if you want to go uh, take a look at it. Um, and, you know, back to the Smile and Myron thing, I want to just shout out to uh, to those folks. Um, I I had made the promise that I was going to go. <laughs> I broke my promise because I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I had so many things going on that day. Uh, the Egg Yolk Jubilee was in there, uh, marching band mode, and we did the bicycle second line on, on that day. And uh, so it was really hot outside. And then Tracy and I had some other activities that we did. Paul Grass had a crawfish boil, and I had to make that. And it's just like so many things in New Orleans. There are. Um, and there was it, the second line that day, which I went to. It takes a while to shut yeah. off, by the way, sure. just to let it, our, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. who's listening know. Uh, and, uh, and so the AC is like vibrating through the table and, and getting into the microphones and whatnot. That's just the way we roll at it's a good life, babe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. That's that's just part of the, the whole mix. And uh, the best the yeah. best laid plans can always just go on the wayside, absorbed by everything else that happens in life. Yeah, I was uh, right. I was that, myself that, just victimized by too many bottles of wine at a beautiful high school graduation party earlier right. that day. <laughs> and you and I played eighteen. We and, and, played eighteen yeah, holes of right. disc golf. That was eighteen holes of disc golf. Oh, so you were out in the sun uh, uh, oh, oh, as well, right? Sweltering uh, heat. Yeah, you see, that's after the second line. You know, Joel, you you so, are to be commended. Uh, on your endurance that day, man. Was I, something? Uh, did, did were there any other uh, substances that had to be partaken yes. in in order to make that happen? Totally, because um, I had gone to the second line. I was bummed that I, you know, I was bummed that I missed the bike thing. I like woke up. I let myself sleep in because I had gone to bed late the night before. I was like, shit, I didn't even know about it. And I, you text, and I was like, okay, just get over it. You're gonna miss some shit sometimes. Plus, I don't necessarily like group rides. I just like to ride my bike. So I wasn't that bummed out. But had I known you guys were playing, I would have been there. Anyway, go to the second line and do like a couple legs at the second line, a couple stops, you know, hot as fuck. And yeah. then I'm like, <laughs> yeah. and then and then I bike over to City Park, race over, and I'm running late, so I'm biking twice as fast as I normally do, Yeah, which just turns my leg into fucking jello because I'm not like, I'm a very lazy biker. Yes, and yes. Then we get in on the course, man, and we're drinking some beers, and it wasn't that hot out there, but man, I felt like I was going to fall out the whole time, and it felt like you were in the same space. Definitely, Tom, in the same, same space. space, and Wheeler and I like were on the, f- bump, no more hum, and so, nice job, AC, and Wheeler and I actually had to play extra holes because we were tied on eighteen. Oh wow! Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, sticking to the rules. Yeah. So we, had, so we had extra holes. And we, then, count, we count our scores. Some of us count a little bit more carefully. Than oh, others. come on. You oh, boy. never brought we this go. up to me off my... Here we go. You never brought this up to me off my... Where Joel goes, controversy follows. Oh, That's, my goodness. So, that is so this, low. Especially when it comes to competitive things, right? Yeah, Isn't to, that true? To change the subject from Joel's hyper-competitiveness. Let's talk about... Uh, this. So, there was the bike, bicycle second line. Was but, that the Mid-City Volleyball? No, no, it's, no, bike it's easy a bike easy, easy okay. who does uh, uh, Tracy's on the board of uh, bike mm-hmm. easy, and uh, so they had had the bike uh, easy second line scheduled for on Mother's Day, and uh, so many things had been rescheduled in the city 
Oh. For Mother's Day, like um, right, like downtown Super Sunday. That's right. And the police pulled the plug on. This happens in New Orleans quite a bit, actually. The more than people think is that, which is weird because like they do Mardi Gras. You know what I mean? The police cover right. Mardi Gras somehow. Uh, but anyway, they said that they weren't going to allocate the resources and that they were stretched thin and they couldn't they couldn't handle it. So. Um, and as it turns out, Agio couldn't do it that day, and uh, so it worked out. And they had to push it back a couple of weeks, and so okay. it, it happened this weekend on Memorial Day weekend. Who knows? It might be on Memorial Day weekend again because uh, the size of the crowd was almost Big double what it was last year. Oh, good. And uh, <clears throat> even though the city felt like it had emptied out, you know, like things got really quiet on Memorial Day. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I or noticed not, that. But yeah, yeah, it was. It was like, not a lot of cars out. Not a lot of people driving no. around. Not a lot of activity happening. Biking um, around Sunday, I had no cars to deal with at all. It it's kind of crazy. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. And uh, and so. Uh, <laughs> The folks at Bike Easy uh, provided us with uh, a covered wagon. I saw that. That had a portalette, you know, nice. which was different than last year because there wasn't a cover on it. So we asked for a covered thing, and Tracy found this great place, uh, B&J Rental, um, which on the back of the thing, of the trailer just says BJ. <laughs> so it's in these like these lights, you know. The lights weren't lit up, sure. but it still spits bells. BJ on the back. Guys of the got thing. the BJ trailer. Were you, we're like, we got the BJ. being pulled on a trailer. We were being pulled on the trailer. Right. No, no, no. By it was by a truck, oh, by you know. Truck. So like we got okay. we got the shade, you know. We got to be able to sit down and stuff, which is like great for me. I saw that. You that know, makes, some yeah. of the other people. That makes a yeah. little more sense. I'm neither so here or there on organized bicycle rides i mentioned the mid-city one i've been to a couple of those and those were pretty well organized like they had yeah. some good a good itineraries you know there's like a stop at a potter's field that buddy bolden was supposedly buried at oh yeah Holt and, cemetery uh, yeah. yeah right Holt yeah. cemetery mm-hmm. and um you know they always end up at zulu and have some food laid out at zulu yeah. it's kind of fun to party in the zulu yeah. club for a minute yep. and uh but yeah if, if there's a band involved yes it's definitely time to Park Get your on, bike and yeah. walk at that point. Yeah. There's another one coming up, actually. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard uh, that uh, NOLA Social Ride. Do you know about that? No. So NOLA Social Ride is this thing that was organized. Uh, Tracy might want to jump in on this because I forget the guy's name. But anyway, he's on the board of Bike Easy as well. And uh, he organizes organizes these rides, man, where oh, people dude. just get together yeah. and like... It's kind of like nighttime, nighttime, nighttime bar hopping, things. bar hopping, bicycle riding. I, I reposted thing. their stuff on uh, on my Facebook page. Um, uh, those two, yeah. It looks like fun. It looks like there's words. I haven't. I have not having a, been on one yet. But there's they're having a big throwdown uh, this uh, Sunday. I think yeah. is uh, the day, and uh, so it's going to be from like four to eight or something like that. I I hope I'm not getting this wrong. Are these anyway, the two African American dudes that we talked about with um, Dwight? I don't know. A few if it's episodes again. One back. one one guy I've met so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because that was the article in the Advocate was like the the proposition was like or that was like. We should, get, we should get them on the pod. We should get them on the pod because yeah. like the whole idea is like is bike safety if it needs to be the fact that bike cycling is multicultural helps with like public policy change you know what i mean of course yeah and so the fact yeah. that there's like the thing that we've talked about before with all the bicyclists in this these last two seasons of second lines of african-americans being on all these tricked out bikes is fucking great i just want to i just feel like there's a sweeping change in the city right now towards no. like bike safety so, and acceptance so i don't know if the folks that we saw were headed to the bike sickle second line uh meetup spot which was in front of the museum of art right but as we left the park and got onto esplanade avenue proper um on the other side of the downtown side of the bayou uh, the very same folks that you're talking about that are at every second line with the super tricked out bicycles that are very long yes that are in some ways mimicking motorcycles that's right but also have their own like choppers their own idiosyncratic take yeah. on the bicycle in addition to the chopper looking yeah. type thing some have the high handlebars other have the crouch down handlebars right. that you have to lean forward on 
like the racing bikes. Some of are way laid back. Some of them are you're super laid back. Some of them are kind of you know are tall or whatever. But mo- but it's the adornments on the bikes. Yeah, the, that, the, the the LED artistry. The LED artists. artistry. Some of them are painted like in a way that is amazing. Yeah. Um, one of them had. It looked like wrought iron that was cut off of a gate and welded onto the bike in this incredibly artistic way that was like proportionate and amazing looking. And it was so, it's so uniquely New Orleans, you know, and all the, I don't even know where they get all the stuff that Me they too, put man. We gotta on these bikes, man. The spokes and the, the rims, the whole nine it. yards, every, and every one like has. What, what bike shop do you go to to yeah. get that shit? Yeah. You know it's someone That's running out of the garage. <laughs> well, there's a guy that we saw, we glimpsed um, when we were passing by Zulu one day uh, when one of these second lines was going past. Tracy and I were, uh, we looked over on Orleans Avenue and there was this garage and this guy had uh, a garage filled with bikes. Yep. And he was just in there like working on bikes. And we suspected like maybe this guy is like, you know, in deep, knee deep in the the hub of that activity. Yeah. I don't know. But um, it only takes one or two movers and shakers to make a strange underground trend happen. I mean, I know, we used to right? be puzzled, right? so puzzled yeah. back in the day by the yeah. oh, by wow. the decal cars that used to be a second line, uh, like the tricked right. out cars that were uh, most yes. commonly like, associated wrapped. with different the wrapped in decals yeah, that's for different right. projects. Yeah, the like, Cheeto like, car, the Cheetos car, Lucky that's right. Charms, that's right. you know, Frosted Flakes. Yes, there were yes. a few serial ones. <laughs> we're still waiting for Jeremy to get his Metamucil uh, Subaru <laughs> together. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, that's just like a couple dudes with some creativity setting on. I used to wonder sure. who is doing these decals yeah. and who's paying. Where you know, right, right. where do you? pay to get your car wrapped in Lucky Charms decals. I mean, those things were so unbelievable. The, and so unique, you don't see that dude, anywhere. The, and it's only a couple people folks, in a shop with a good idea. You know? the, the art is truly on the streets in New Orleans. I mean, the music's in the streets and the art's in the streets. But but those guys were going down Esplanade just to complete the story the, yeah. uh, the opposite way and uh, made a U-turn and like just joined in. Nice. So I don't know if they were coming to meet the yeah. bike easy thing or if they were just tooling down that way. And maybe they were just like, hey, it's going to go this way and we're going to meet up with another second line or whatever the case may be. And um, Got a note from our producer. That is, uh, yes. Thank you. And uh, so I take it that it's Blake Owens who is on the board of Bike Easy and also is the organizer of the Bicycle Second Line. Blake Owens, I'm, I'm sorry, NOLA Social Ride. And, uh, and then Marin Tachman is uh, uh, with oh with dashing bikes right? Who is also involved in the oh, organizing? Uh, yeah, you remember Marin? Fix my, fixed Look, my bike. I mean, dashing bikes is a great little bike shop on Broad Street. I've been there eight times. And Marin uh, joined uh, Tracy and I on some of the training rides nice. that we did for a bunch of different things. Oh, that those we're doing, d- right? dashing bi- bicycles is my favorite bicycle shop ever. Look, in my my perspective, like being a bicyclist from nineteen ninety six or whatever you walk into a bike shop normally and it's almost like walking into a record shop like all the cliches the stereotypes of like they want to make you feel bad about your own like understanding and knowledge and so you'd go into like the bike shop like michael look i don't have anything against michael's on frenchman street but i go in there and i and they make me feel like shit about not knowing enough about my bicycle you know what? Uh, no, it's like exactly. I just I know how to ride it. I'm not supposed to know how to fix it. That's why I came in here. It's really important yeah. when you own something uh, like a company that has a very specific uh, item or, I might want or a dog. Them out of the week, maybe. Well, I don't know if it if it rises to the level of a dog at, but <laughs> but it it reminds me of when I was a kid going into a guitar shop, right. and then it's just like grumpy men in there. Who are angry that like their lives didn't turn out the way that they wanted to or whatever? I don't. I'm not really it's sure. A little different dynamic. It's maybe a little a different dynamic. Shop. Like a bicycle. 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 I think it's pretty similar. The kids who work in oh, bicycle shops have like you pretty know similar. have innately been working on bikes since they were kids, and they're just disgusted by people who aren't handy and don't work on their own bikes. I don't but think that's the only reason they have a job. Or, organizational decision. The that's only like, reason. Let's look, make people feel uncomfortable. When it's I was, just you know, it's no. just the personality of kids who no. end up working at a bike and shop, and they make people feel uncomfortable. When I was worked at a yogurt shop both in high school and college wheeler i didn't fucking like people i didn't know i did not no i did not have disdain 
for people who didn't make their own yogurt at home. I knew they were coming to me for the yogurt because I had the yogurt and they don't know how to make yogurt. So when I go to a bike shop, I don't, ex- I don't want the person on the other side of the counter to expect that I know how to fucking change my own goddamn tire because that's why I'm here, bitch. Well, look, I'm just going to say this. Like, I had a guy at, God, uh, it's infuriating. at, a, at, a, at a bicycle shop that, I'm gonna, that will remain unnamed. But I went in and I was, like, I was like, man, you know, it's just like something's wrong with this. And I like, reached over and took the forks on the bicycle and said, oh, you just need to spread your forks a little bit wider. And started muscling the forks <laughs> out. And I'm watching him and I'm going, you're breaking my bike right now. <laughs> That's what's in my head, right? But I'm tolerating this because I'm like, is he just some, is he just a manic dickhead? You know, who's like, whose dickishness is so high that he just can't like. That's or, Joel's dream, man. Someone yeah, who can walk into a job and say, Joel just wants someone who will muscle his forks without. Uh, that guy. <laughs> mocking him. That guy. That was the most ridiculous thing ever, man. And I was like, I was like, this is absurd, man. I'm like, just leave it. Leave it. I'm out. Leave <laughs> okay. it. Leave it alone. What I love about dashing bicycles. So I've had that, but I've also had like some really sweet dashing bicycles too at the same place. Let's let's shout out. Let's do a little. All right, we shout do a shout out. shout out. Yeah, we got to do right. the shout out of the week. Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shout out of the week. Dashing bicycles. Those dudes are cool, man. You we need go a producer in, so bad. I know. Well, you go in and they, and they don't make you feel like shit. And you know exactly what you're getting into, you know, and they're just super nice and sweet and don't judge you for no, not I, being able I to feel fix you your a little bit, Joel. I mean, there's like levels of shame when you walk into a bike <laughs> of what you're there for. If it's like, if you're there to shamed. get your tire changed, that's like sh- the highest level of shame. I don't you know, bikes, bikes, brakes adjusted a little bit below that. If you need your forks bent, there's like no shame involved. But but there are a couple of things that you bring your bike to a bike shop for where you personally did, do kind of feel guilty paying someone else to do it. And then then that Dude, that is added to I didn't need my forks bent. I feel that like was you shouldn't be there paying them. I completely object to a thesis that there should be levels of shame walking into a bike shop because they feel like you should know how to do certain things on your bike I just I just completely objectively reject the notion I feel like you're coming to a bike shop for service you know it's like when you go to the Jiffy Lube do they shame you for not knowing how to fucking change your oil we got, no, th- we but, got three, we got three a, guys here talking I about this I feel a little level of shame for not changing my own car oil though Jeff you change I'm sure Jeff changes his own oil I do See? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about the, the there, sometimes they will add to it with a little bit of a an attitude in a bike shop and I'm not defending that I'm not defending you're, you're acting like I, I feel like you should be shamed no I'm saying there is a level of shame that you feel for paying someone else to do something on your bike that you probably now that you've been riding a bike for 30 years probably should be doing by yourself no that's I all shouldn't, I'm saying I'm man, saying it's because a personal I, I only have so much bandwidth and I, only have, and I know what my skill set is and I know who I'm very self aware Joel knows Joel can I, can, I, can I say too that I think that there's and it prob- would take me five hours to fucking change an energy it's probably man, a level of comfortability that I think is great that's brought uh, to the table by dashing bikes you know for women who you yes. know have to suffer through the idea you Thank know you. a male dominated mechanical uh, kind of uh, uh, endeavor as bicycles usually are and you walk in and all of the same stuff that happens you know with mechanics the horror stories that women have to go through with mechanics gets alleviated just because it's own it's not necessarily the case you know what I mean but but I think that dashing bikes you know it like brings that to the table and that's a good that's a good look they're for, they're, for, they're, for, they're, for they're women like, they're straight up uh, LGBTQ I always get that out LGBTQ, we get that, it, we get it. Yeah, thanks. Friendly, yeah. and um, <laughs> I mean, they wear it on their sleeve, and it's just a really lovely place to be. And it's not like it's punk rock when you go in there. They got the espresso machine, they got the NPR rolling in the background, and it's just, it's brass tacks. It's not like it's like kid gloves. It's not like oh hi. It's just like what's your what's your deal? And I'm like I got the NES fix, and I was like okay, no, no, no. and then it just gets done, and it's all nice, and no one's shaming you. The worst bike experience, bike shop experience I ever had was like way back when there was this Plan Nine place that was open. You remember that? You know, it was like in the Ark. Remember when before it became condominiums, there was a gigantic artist. Well, that uh, was do it. That was do it yourself. No, no. But the thing is, is like there were people that worked there, right? And they were like, "Go get your used bike from over there." I walked in, and I'm like, 
I'm just like looking around and you're there and you're present. Like maybe somebody could talk to you, but it was like filled with the Crustafarians, you know? Yes. It's they had the uniform on. Yes. And like, you know, the uniform that I'm talking about. The like the black, the black and the brown uniform. Yes. And uh, maybe there was a dog or two running around. And I'm like, I'm just like, can I? There might have been a cat Is on there any? Can I talk to you about it? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What was that? Shredded jorts. And like, <laughs> no, no. The, bla- the black leather vest no, over the brown tank top. There was no. And the dreads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was too much. All the piercings. I didn't have the uniform on. No. And so, therefore, I, I was unworthy. You were coming in like a middle-aged yeah. rock and roller with I was unworthy. Tail. I was unworthy. And you were just completely unworthy. Totally unworthy. you walked in. That's right. Like, what the fuck is he doing here? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's another joint, too, that's on uh, Lafitte Street that's kind of, like, uh, right here in Mid-City that uh, there's this, like, burly guy who has, like, Popeye forearms that works there. And, like, I had my bike, and he was, like... And I was, like, man, I can't unjam this uh, these handlebars, right? I've been to every goddamn bike shop in the city, apparently. And, uh, and, and he started doing the same thing. <laughs> He's, like, just muscling it around, like, let me see if I can just crack this. Let me see if I can crack it. You know, and he's like moving it and moving it. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to break. It's just going to like the handlebars are just going to twist off, you know, and it's going to cock and that's going to be the end of it. But he did it and he did it. And he's like, it's just jammed, man. It's jammed. You know, <laughs> can I give another uh, positive shout out for a bike shop? Yeah, go ahead. The one on St. Claude. Oh, yeah. That's uh, what is the name? What is that? Uh, Gherkins. Gherkins. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah, that's, those, a, pretty, that's a good bike shop. too. Those yeah. guys are punk rock. And they have the piercings and they have the, the whole tattoos and all that shit. And a guy like me walks in coming from work with a tie on or whatever. And they're not judging or shaming. And then they're like, just like, and they helped me like before that uh, bike ride you and I were supposed to do, the triathlon. We oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I was trying to get my bike, which I ended up doing to do to them. I was like, I've got this, this like Danish road bike. Oh, yeah. And I need like, but I want to ride it. Like it's a uh, like it's a cruiser. I want to be upright, and they just compl- they were like, "Dude, that's cool." They sure did, and they just they like, gave you the extension. They, I they remember did, that they did this customized we went over there extension. It yeah. wasn't something like off the shelf. It was something they just fucking figured out, and they extended both my handlebars and my bike seat. So that I could ride upright. No on shame this. from wanting to sit upright. Uh, no shame. No shame. From no to shame. Sit Sorry, I'm. It's just... like I got a bad lower back, dude. I'm old. <laughs> you know, I need to be. I need to be upright. Uh, I'm not sorry that I uh, missed the Crestafarian place, but there is a place along those lines that I really like up on Dryads. If we can give a shout out of the week to the uh, yeah. Youth Empowerment NOLA place oh. up on Dryads, that's killer. Oh, they that's, got some uh, kids in there. That's like my speed, like doing a half-assed repair yourself, led by kids. Like yes. the one time I went in there, yeah, that's it was cool. like that's one cool. of my my most hard-ass former students was working there. Nice, and I'm like, holy shit, you working over here? And like, you know, and. Hey, I, you know, that's a wonderful thing to be uh, teaching, oh, that's teaching kids to teach confused middle-aged people how to, uh, how to fix, <laughs> how to fix how their bikes. Yeah. yeah. No, that is kind of no a shame. Per- that's a perfect uh, match there. So Look, I have the mechanical skills, you know, to fix a tire, man. But $10, $12 to get your tire fixed, I'm not, I'm, I got no do. shame, man. I'm bringing it in. You know what I mean? It's worth it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, make it quick. My, my uh, back tire... Uh, my brake on my back tire has been out for like four weeks now. Because I, <laughs> I haven't had time. Oh lord! To go to that. Haven't had now time. That, I haven't think, had money or two ashamed. That I think is. I'd I, I put that in the shame category. It's a timing. <laughs> no, it's a timing thing. I haven't had the time, and uh, I just know that my bike is like in a state where it needs a full fucking like a full. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, over tune, a, tune a tune up, up. you yeah. need a little tune up, yeah. a little tune up. Um, and I'm gonna do it this weekend. I unfortunately I'm, cannot bring myself to pay somebody to change a tire on my bike, which is which is unfortunate because now there's a there is a bike sitting on my back porch, which is Adele's that she rides on the back of my trailer, and we've missed about four or five opportunities on, uh, to go bike riding this week just because I was too cheap to uh, pay ten dollars and haven't otherwise. And now it's going to be too done, hot so. to. Uh, bike soon and you're going out of the country it's already, already. To, to answer your already. question jeff um that led to all this um yeah man i got home from the disc golf thing before seeing smiling iron and i did some thc uh-huh because uh-huh. your question yeah, led yeah. to this diatribe yes collective 
uh, thought project um, was what did I do to like bounce back? And I I did the THC from Sammy Grayson in Portland. Uh huh. Yeah. You know that really nice like, and I had not done it in public. Like I've only used it like at home. You're talking about the tincture. The tincture. Yeah. yeah. And I've only done it at home. The tincture that's sweeping the nation. It's sweeping the nation. But what I yeah. realized, it doesn't make me sleep. It makes me feel really good. So for the first time, I was like, and I'm folks who listen to the podcast know I've never been a pot person my whole life because I'm one of those people that like it makes paranoia or whatever. Uh, we have a hum again. Um, it's not the AC. Could be the fan. Um, I don't know what it is. On That's strange. Um, so I went home. I took a 30-minute power nap. And I did like a 12-ounce water with an ounce of vodka and five drops of the tincture. Yep. And fucking called the Uber. Dude, five drops, man. That's a... I know. That's pretty... That's, that's a lot of tincture. That's pretty handy. That's a lot of tincture. Yeah, that'll, that'll it'll last you the whole day. And I didn't need to drink when I got yeah. to the club. I was just like, I just sipped on like one high life, you yeah. know, for like the two and a half hours I was there. No more headphones for you? It's hot. It's hot. It's hot without the AC. We got to get the AC back on. Well, with the AC, uh, we found out that it's not the AC. Might as well just turn the AC back on. I I'm think, thinking. I think we might do another. So we just shift over to Pelicans at this point, right? Well, I think point, we right? might do another. How, what, what's our timing? We're at like 31 minutes right now. I almost now. think we should do two episodes. Well, all right. Well, well what? Okay. I want to. Well, I want to finish right, up. Do you want to keep talking about that? Well, I want to tell the story that ends the Smiling Meyer and Tim. Okay. Yeah, travel go for trip. it. Go for it. And I know this is like completely self-indulgent on my part, but I told the story on the last episode, uh, along with Emily to Tim, about us driving from uh, Seattle uh, to Houston in 24 hours, 28 hours, um, to go see Tim just days before he passed, and um, and then suddenly, what we what I didn't say on the last episode. Uh, because I don't want to take away from their story, was that, I mean, I had, I had moved to Seattle at this point. You know, I got a job. I had not started it yet, but I had gotten a job. And I'd lived in New Orleans once before, and we got the car from driveaway, went to MDA Anderson in Houston, saw Tim, had like an hour and a half thing with him, and then I called up. Here's the thing, this is like pre-cell phone. And I went to a phone booth and I called an old college buddy, this guy, Brett. And I was like, Brad, not a good friend either, but you know, we had connected. And I was like, yo, you're, you're from Houston, right? You still have people here? And he was like, well, here's my mom's number, you know? So I call his mom. His mom just lets us crash in her place, like in the suburbs of Houston. Really nice place, like with a pool and hot tub and shit. And we'd been driving for 28 straight hours, you know? Right, yeah, so you So we just fell out. Yeah, just fell out. So we wake up the next morning, and Emily's boyfriend at that time was driving, this was part of the plan, was driving from New Orleans to Seattle, so just scooped up Emily and Christina, our co-pilot, and suddenly I was alone. And here's the thing, I couldn't deliver the car to Mobile for eight more days because you're only supposed to, you can only drive the car 10 hours a day and not at night. Oh, right, yeah, there's rules. There's rules. So it, it's supposed to take 10 days to get the car from Seattle to Mobile. So I, suddenly I have like eight days to kill. Right. So I hang out in Houston for that night. Brad, sorry if you're listening, I know you're not. Your mom and I made out in the hot tub. <laughs> Stop it. We did. Stop. And, and 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 but we had a very serious conversation about why we shouldn't have sex, and we did not. So it was very, it was a very mature moment. But we, <laughs> but, but we did make out, and then, so and that's why I wanted to talk. Because wow. this like completely Never Joel by your mom. It's always you know most most of us know <laughs> Joel that. Knows Joel. But, uh, Brad, Brad, unfortunately, Brett was uh, uninformed on that. She was an active tennis player. She was um, in shape. <laughs> she was a lovely lady. So then I was like, yo, I'm going to like go down to Mexico for the day. Because I didn't know. I mean, I still have now seven days to go. That wasn't part of the rules. The rules were you're not supposed to get off track. But they didn't have GPS or anything. So I get on another payphone call. and I call. Wait, did you drive the car into Mexico? No, I stopped on uh, the Laredo, Texas side. And I walked to the Nuevo Laredo side. I see. Right? Right, right, right. So, but along the way, 
I call and I'm kind of broke at this point, you know, because I was about to start a job. I like spend all my money getting to Seattle. So I called Jeff and uh, Jeff Chasen. Well, you could have jiggled I was about to say your attempts at jiggle that have failed up till that point. Your no. uh, your abortive jiggle attempts failed. That was definitely an option, but I chose a different path. And the path I chose was I got to a payphone and I was like, Jeff Chasen and his brother. I'm like, how are you guys on your pills? And they were like, well, we could use pills. And I was like, can you just like send some money via um, uh, Western Union? And they did. So they sent a bunch of money, me not knowing what I was getting into. And I just fucking figured it out. You know, like I got across the border and I realized, and I was getting like hit hit on with like all these people who were trying to like solicit me to buy, you know, medicina, medicina, pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical. I was like, no, yeah. no, no, I'm here to buy blankets and hats or whatever. And then I took a cab to the outskirts of town and I found a doctor that I would have like a six year relationship with from that point on. Right. So it totally <laughs> changed my life. Right. 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 So I go to his spot and it's like a sushi menu, you know, like all the all the shit you can buy so I just bought all the shit I just and then like his young daughters like were the nurses I say that in air quotes for the podcast yeah, sure, sure, sure. and they all had really long painted nails or whatever they couldn't even write because the nails were so long and I just like and so and that's like <laughs> so then I came back across sent the chasens their thing and then like that staked my claim to move back to New Orleans, basically, right? And then also like that was what I did for the next couple of years, going back to that same doctor. <laughs> right. For, I don't know, it's Scoring funny that. I, it's, did you ever stop and reflect on whether it changed your life for the better or for worse? What what would have happened if you never took that walk into Laredo? You might be up up in Seattle living in the uh, suburbs. Well, I couldn't have afforded to get back. I mean, the only way I would have stayed in Seattle. You might have had a sugar mama. The only play way. Tennis. Yes, exactly. That was one scenario. Not not driving with Emily to see Tim was one scenario, and that's the only way I would have stayed in Seattle. But once I made that commitment to take that drive, there was no way I was ever going back. So, like, I did the Mexico thing. I spent another night in the hot tub with Brad's mom. But we didn't make out that time. But we, like, really hit it off. And she had a really nice, like, liquor, you know. Like, it was just really lovely, nice food. And then I drove to New Orleans, and I had, like, three days really to kill. Really nice liquor. Liquor. <laughs> liquor. And really then, nice food. <laughs> <laughs> and then I spent like three days in New Orleans on like Cher- yeah. Cherokee and the um, new Joel euphemisms. Cherokee and oak, and I just landed at the I Cherokee like and Tracy's oak. Tracy's house. She's got that nice liquor. <laughs> she does. <that> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then finally, I like four more days passed after I was in New Orleans, and I decided I was moving back to New Orleans. I had like hooked up, rehooked up with everyone on Oak Street. I was in the Cherokee house with Fatty Rick, with B Singer. I had a room now, and I was moving back officially, and uh, I had to do the final drive with a shitty Nissan car to Mobile, Alabama, and it was just a young African-American woman who had just been gotten off, she was like 22 and been in the military, right, and uh, I mean, at least I washed the car, like I drove it through a little car wash before I went over there. And then I was like, yo, can you drive me to the Greyhound? The official beginning uh, of a good life, babe, dot com. Exactly. Yeah, that was it right there. But that... Uh, so you got a lift to the Greyhound, and then you took the Greyhound back to New Orleans. To New Orleans, and that was the... And then I lived in New Orleans. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, sel- cool. that's a totally self-indulgent story, but it's like in that emotional sort of thing about Tim, I wouldn't have been happy living in Seattle, man. You know? And like... I'm glad that Emily got to see Tim just before he passed on. Sure. And sure. I'm glad that, you know, it brought me back to New Orleans. But that was a time in life, you know, when like, fuck it was always an option. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what totally. I mean? It's like, uh, that's, that's great, man. That's a good story. Uh, <clears throat> so we're at about 40 minutes now. I almost wonder and, uh, if we don't do another episode, uh, a, a next episode. Maybe about we should. The Pels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Take think a pause for the cause and explore Tracy's liquor. <laughs> 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 She's up for it. Yeah. Uh, 
So, uh, yeah, it should be said that uh, we are in the middle of uh, renovating right. Maison Duville right now and uh, getting some hardwood floors put down. Fucking right. Which we have to do for a variety of reasons up to and including the fact that the dogs will occasionally pee on a carpet. And, you know, and I hate the fucking carpet. Anyway, that was the thing that I hated about that house when I bought it. Um, I love my house. Don't Have get me wrong. Have you discovered what the you know? floors are like under the carpet yet? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Tell me about it. Yeah, they tore it up uh, today, as and a matter of fact. What are the floors like? Well, it's uh, like, what do they call that? Um, uh, like chipboard, you know? Yeah, I think that, I don't think that's the technical name, but you, you get the point, right? Subfloor. Um, yeah, there's subfloor. And, sub and there's another, there's another piece, there's another section down the hallway that's a different type of plywood that has like a... A uh, faux flooring veneer, wooden veneer on top with lines drawn in it. That's trying to that tries Jeez. to make it look like flooring. They faking, you know what I mean? But um, and I think you know the thing that you have to remember about that house is that they were high school kids. Uh, this is the story that I heard. Um, who were a part of the McDonough Thirty Five previous McDonough Thirty Five uh, carpentry program that helped build that house. So. You tear into a few things and like you see a lesson here, you see a lesson there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, and I think that that's what we're seeing now. You know, it's kind of like you see you can use this as flooring, but we really don't want to. So let's get some chipboard. You know, so they just laid down a little bit of that. And uh, there's there's a bunch of stuff that has to be leveled off, and you know, like there's a there's a pretty significant uh, divot, you know, in the hallway. I don't know why, because maybe the the, the joists that uh, hold up the you know the sills as they call it you know that hold up the house and the joists that go the opposite way <clears throat> sagging a little bit i don't i'm not really sure why but anyway that's what you have to do when you put down the what a great floor. feeling in most new orleans houses <laughs> that when you pull up the linoleum or the carpet and just like the just crossing the fingers and hoping that there might be some fantastic old uh, hardwood floor, old hardwood there, floor it, instead you there. got the frankenstein of pressed woods <laughs> no no i have the frankenstein of pressed woods and and i hear what you're saying but at the same time like you pull up the linoleum and then you see the hardwood floors and you're like i have to get this glue off of here and like is it going to be the nightmare glue or is it going to be the kind you know what i mean Right. Like some of the glues, they like just like never come up, and your floor is just ruined, you know. And that that has got to be a real fucking pain in the ass, you know, to deal with. But um, that's New Orleans for you, you know. I, Tracy and I were talking about this the other day, like people running through the the, the litany of ham-fisted construction uh, techniques and uh, and products that were being sold from the 1950s through the 1970s which were frankly 50% of them complete fucking garbage yeah, I mean at least and when you move up from the floor at least we're, we seem to 100% have moved on from the wallpaper era right wallpaper I still had to pull, pull off, <laughs> talk about some funky ass glues that were like I just a total nightmare to a, nightmare, a my nightmare my house was covered in wallpaper covered in wallpaper and, you know, the even, one that you, you grew know, up even in even not too yeah. long ago there was no I'm talking about my house uh, uptown uptown um, really yeah. yeah you know not too long ago there were the flavor paper guys who were like making success diet designing cool wallpapers right that was yeah. like a, couple yeah. of, a handful of years ago wallpaper will come to, back there's always a, will it come back everything comes back there's always a fetishistic throwback you know somebody who's doing that somewhere you know and try and making it cool again you know, on some see, level i can see the appeal so yeah yeah and then and then and then people you know it kind of moved into that whole making making these borders you know like, like in kitchens what, what and been considered for maison de ville some floridly wallpaper perhaps, no no you know? no we haven't considered any of that you know no, like no, what, what, what paneling that would be nice and shag carpeting will come back it just will you see, I don't object to the wood paneling. I think wood paneling's all right, man. That 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 was an idea. You know, I understand that it fell out of favor and everything. You know, but at the same time, like some well placed, nice wood paneling, you know, can really uh, add a touch. Really? Yeah, to like a game room, you know, or like yeah, yeah, a yeah, yeah. or you know the whiskey room, yeah, or something like that. It's, it's, <laughs> the, the, it's the man cave thing. <laughs> the man cave thing. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, we're getting the flooring put down. It's going to be really nice when it's done. Tracy and I are going to do the staining on it and the finishing. And uh, we just got some guys over there installing it, and they tore it up. So I get to see the underside of the house. And uh, so we're making those improvements. And once all that's done, we'll be back over at Maison DeVille permanently. Wheeler, you live in uh, Broadmoor. You've got had a house there for a long time. How are things going over there? 
Well, I don't live in Broadmoor, first of all. What? I live in... Uh, you live in Uptown. In an unnamed neighborhood of it's Uptown. It's an unnamed you neighborhood of Uptown. If you technically were to name it, it would be Faubourg Bolony, uh, okay. which is based on the plantation that was formerly lived... There was formerly there, which is only a stone throw from the Faubourg Livaday. You guys know about the Faubourg Livaday, right? No, no, I don't know okay. about that. Well, my no. friends were visiting for Jazz Fest, uh, one of my best friends for high school, and they had the whole family in, the 80-year-old father, two of my good buddies, uh, both of their partners, there were a couple kids, so there was, I think, two, four... Six, seven of them looking for a place to stay during Jazz Fest. I remember right? you were telling me about so that. So early on, you know, they told me, I said, you know, whatever, whoever needs to crash at a house, of course, you know, come on down. So no no response, though. Did you guys get a place to stay? Yeah, yeah, we found something. Oh, great. Where is it? I'm not sure. So right when Jazz Fest rolls up, where are you staying? Oh, the Faubourg Live-A-Day. Like, what the oh, fuck like, is what the Faubourg the fuck Live-A-Day? So go on Google. I type in the Faubourg Live-A-Day. It's Central City. Faubourg Live-A-Day is a name for Central. That's the pl- that is the plantation that once existed in Central City. The boundaries when you Google it from Faubourg Live-A-Day or like that's Saint like Charles. Ale too. Davis Park, sort of. It, they're there. Yeah. Airbnb was directly across from the project about two blocks down from the park and uh it was you know it was really funny and really tragic at the same time it was like a section eight you could tell it was clearly like a former section eight apartment complex that had already had the gate that's where they got the and they renovated it and they turned it into a series of airbnb apartments and they when you go on to the site they don't actually tell you what the address of the apartment is going to be. It's just in the the Faubourg Live a Day. Dude, I'm like <laughs> my face is doing that ghost look from Scream, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that foolish yeah. mask. That's crazy. Don't people like when they get to a place like that? Just like doesn't some kind of like instinct, you know, instinct kick in I just can't believe that's some level where you're, you're they weren't totally nonplussed no, they didn't mind staying on the cell at all it's, they didn't but it's just like you know I, I mean can't. we're talking about the house across the street Tracy and I were looking at the house across the street that was a nice affordable house for somebody to live in a few years ago a little two bedroom house 1500 square feet you could buy it for $120,000 or you could live in it for $700 a month and then yeah, uh, just sold yeah. it for $500,000, you know? We're, but, okay, well, they we're a couple blocks from the bayou, so it's crazy. Gentrification's happening everywhere, but but the Faubourg live a day. They're kicking the Section 8 people out for Airbnb now. I mean, it's one thing. that We got five Airbnbs on my block, but you're clearing out freaking Section 8 housing on LaSalle Avenue? Everybody wants to get in on that shit. I don't want to speak out of turn because I don't know this for a fact, but we had a guest on the podcast uh, a few moons ago before the last election cycle who had talked about Cantrell wooing uh, developers from Southern California um, to do Airbnb development buy-ups in New Orleans. But they just passed these restrictions, you know? I mean, obviously, she's got to sign it. I'm not really sure what her stance is, you know, because it's she's so secretive. She has publicly she's so come secretive. out to be supposedly for regulation of Airbnb, but it's not policy-wise. But she was a lobbyist. But apparently, she was a lobbyist for attracting developers to come in and that was buy one of the large swaths well, of properties that was in the Treme and Central City. As many people suspect that that actually is the motives behind a lot of people who get involved in neighborhood groups, that they have these commercial motives and it's right. all about like blah 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 doing this true. and that and like controlling certainly the neighborhood true. and, certainly true and making neighborhood. it better and whatnot. But really, it's not about that. It's about their own personal fucking Absolutely. greed and business Absolutely. and that they want to make... Uh, they want to get in there and 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 make money. Speaking so, of fra- strange monikers, you know, there's the Faubourg Live a Day, and then you know my neighborhood is uh, well, it's not exactly my neighborhood, Faubourg, but you know, right across the street from the New Ferret, one of the uh, one yeah, of the, the New Ferret, which which somebody erroneously, what was that website, Tracy, where somebody erroneously referred to Ferret as the middle. 
passage. Oh, oh yeah, that. yeah. That was somebody that, was, that did that. But that wasn't like a that wasn't a movement or anything. That was one person who made a really horrible. But but can I say something like I mean not website. to not to like I mean I, I appreciate like steering things back toward the positive you know but but the other thing like it just strikes me as weird that like why are we continuing to try to rename first of all why are we trying to rename everything in new orleans you know based on the real on real estate agents right and then why are we naming them after former plantations yes yeah like we shouldn't be naming things after former plantations no we should be not doing that like well let's name it Foberg somebody good you know what I mean? <laughs> like somebody who did so, like Foberg Booker. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? We could Fo- we could do that. We Fulberg could have like Foberg BB, you know, or whatever. Or yeah. Like Foberg Fats. Exactly. You it know, was, that'd be fine. I'd take that. <laughs> it was on a New Orleans tourism. But it's like Foberg Liveday. It used to be the plantation stop. Right. Let's just stop right. right there and not do that. Yeah. You know, because well, that is as bad me, I mean, as like my, the middle that, passage. That neighborhood is only known as Central City, passage. which people would like to. Would probably, if you're trying to sell property there, you probably want to name it anything else, call it anything else but Central City. My neighborhood is kind of an amorphous, unnamed neighborhood, so sometimes people grasp. You are two blocks Broadmoor, so I wasn't that far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not that. Far. I know, but I just want to point out but that just, it's like it's know. as though we're going back to the pre. Oh, I'm. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. Reconstruction era. You know what I mean? Like it's like. Let's name it after the... Re- no. 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 And look, let's not do the, that. The, what is it? Faubourg Levitin? Levitin. 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 Look, yeah. man, that place, just to give folks some, some context, our listeners, AP and elsewhere, um, that, in my mind, in 1996, 8, whatever, was the most dangerous like thoroughfare to ever possibly go through. And so, because I would sometimes consider biking that way to go from uptown to the Jazz Fest, you know? And look, it was so fucking dangerous. And I, one time I drunkenly did bike through there and I just, in order to uh, uh, try and have some semblance of self-defense, I acted like the crazy white guy. Like, whoa, you know, like I was just like clowning because, I mean, dude, those projects at that time were dangerous as fuck. I'll tell and, you. And a white dude biking his way through there at nine in the evening? Well, it's probably safer than most people. What's you know? that? <laughs> a white guy is probably safer. <laughs> no. Well, no. Okay, I see what you're saying. I get your humor. But, no, it was like, it was fucked up that I was there. You know? I mean, it was like... Warriors come out to play style shit. Quick, quick story I'll tell you about that is that um, uh, years ago I worked on this insane fucking oh, right. independent movie. Right. Did I tell you about this? Yes. With the purple monster? Yes. Okay. So, in the, in the same projects. God, man. And I wish I could remember that actor's name because he was super well respected in the New Orleans acting community. He passed away like about a year and a half ago. And everybody loved that guy, man. God, the kudos that went out. Anyway, he played this purple monster, and this guy, Paul Dio, you know, Paul, shout out to Paul, um, lives up in New York now. Uh, he he had this crazy concept for this movie, and we're shooting it. Shout out to Rod Chauvin, who worked on this as well. And uh, dressed up this guy as this purple monster, and the movie was just, it was just so scatterbrained. Like, it just didn't have any real, like, plot or anything. It was just like... This purple monster goes around. Grimace takes and the he's, and yeah, yeah, Grimace in in a, in a sense, yeah, but Grimace with like under bite fangs, and uh, <laughs> and and so this guy was dressed up like that, and we were shooting the scene where he's supposed to be like walking down the street, all uh, you know, kind of aggro, you know, like he's he's after the man, the mayor. He's gonna go the purple monster. He's transformed into the purple monster. And he's 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 a justice seeker, and the mayor is corrupt, and the police force is corrupt, and he's going to go stop him. And this is it, and he's really determined. Blah blah blah. And by the way, before this, um, like the day before, a kid came up to me on the street, a kid who was like maybe eight years old, and he's like, "You saw that guy got killed yesterday? You saw the guy that got killed just on the street out of nowhere? <laughs> he just walked up to me. He's like, you saw the guy that got killed.'" And I was like, no, no, what are you talking about? And he's like, man, you should be careful, man. People get killed around here. He just thought, like eight years old. He told me that. So this okay. was like, what, 96 or something? Yeah, this was around that time. And yeah. uh, and so then, 
we're doing the purple monster thing and these young kids pull up on the corner right yeah it's just total coincidence and they don't see us like filming across the street we have no permits or anything they have no idea what's going on and they're teenagers and they congregate next to the car and they're hanging out and here comes purple monster guy and they're on one side of this corner and purple monster guys coming around the corner so there's no opportunity to fucking see purple monster guy right and there's one kid standing there and purple monster guy comes blowing around the corner looking all angry and aggro and this kid turns around and i just imagine like what's in his brain purple crazy aggro monster dude is coming toward me and he reaches around his back to into his waistline right with his hand yep right and our purple monster guy actor just has to get instantaneously assesses the situation correctly and is like whoa 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 man we're shooting right here we're we're doing a we're doing a film we're doing a film we're doing a film right here across the street and he and he just somehow diffused what could have been a really what could have been a really bad uh incident Yeah. yeah right exactly just because of the way that he was walking you know and the way that he was like he was just acting and and that's what he was supposed to do and we caught all of that on film, and uh, <clears throat> that was like that was uh, that was pretty fucking scary. Man. You better not you bring know? your purple monster guy around. Don't, my but don't bring around my dude, get that purple one. Get the yeah. fuck out of here! Right, <laughs> exactly. So that was a wrap uh, on that day. Yeah, you know, for shooting, it's pretty much done after that. <laughs> That's what happens on yep. independent films when somebody you know you know gets in endangered. Yep. We anyway, I don't really, know. That that's now, the story. We <laughs> had a really funny exchange once. It's just like a really like two stereotypes meeting, a stereotypical exchange back on in in the Faubourg Live a Day on uh, Washington <laughs> Avenue in a Super Sunday, going like way back, well before Katrina when the project was still there. Marla's parents were visiting, and Marla's dad, who is this like you know six six four like you know stuffy. St- <laughs> wonderful man but who's walking so walking walking in down Washington Avenue and he's like hiking up his shorts you know tucking snapping at his suspenders and hiking up his shorts and he's like what community is this what do you call this community and I was like well this is a good community is one of his favorite lines and there's this like this great stereotypical response like on cue this guy turns around gold teeth he's like oh, it's the Magnolia Project the home of the cash money millionaires you know but I, yeah, he was also yeah. something like of a really nice. stereotypical character and it was just such, such a funny like head clashing of the two stereotypes I think that's a great note to end on. I think that's a great note to end on for this show, I think. And uh, we can, (laughs) unless you guys have anything else. Well, my, 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 the grass cutting guy came by and caught me today, right? You know, this is like a good story, New Orleans story, right? So, like, he, he didn't really ask me to cut the grass, you know what I mean? Like so, you remember, folks who were listening to the podcast. The last time we had the podcast, somebody was knocking on the door persistently, right? And that was a guy who I I had paid somebody to cut the grass uh, a few weeks ago, and he came by, and I was like, "Just come, you know, holler at me in a couple of days or something like that, you know, like because we're recording right now and I can't talk right now." And he's like, "Okay," and then I come back a couple of days later, and he's like, "Cut the grass." He cut it. He just went ahead and cut he it. He just cut it, and he's like, "Here's how much you owe me." And I was like, I was like, that's so New Orleans, right? You know. So now I'm like, he did the work, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I how much wa- was it? And as I can't. He doesn't ask you twenty for too bucks. Much and I can't say that I didn't want it done. Was it twenty? You bucks? know what I mean? No, it wasn't twenty bucks. It was considerably more than that. And I'm not going to say. But anyway, yeah, well, he he did the work, right? Did he do the backyard? And uh, yeah, he did the backyard oh, okay. too. Well, yeah, then, no. I thought just the no. And he cut down some weeds and stuff too that I didn't ask him to do. Yeah, that's like fifty know? bucks. But I think maybe my neighbor was like, maybe you could cut that down. Kenny probably told him. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And he was like, he was like, okay. But here's my point: is that he he just kept coming around, coming around, coming around. He's like, my phone's broken, blah blah blah. And I'm like, dude, I'm just not here. You know what I mean? Like, I can't catch up with you like easily. You know? And I was like, I know he's gonna come around today because he's been coming around every day, right? So I'm over there meeting with the flooring guy, and he just he rolls around. So I'm like, okay. We settle up, and uh, and he's like, all right, well, it's gonna be like this, and he's just talking to me about all this stuff, and he goes like, hey man, you know Big Wayne? Little Wayne's dad, and I'm like, no, 
no not really he's like he does floors <laughs> so he's just like That's great. and I'm just like wait a minute is it true out there and can anybody answer big this Wayne. does Big Wayne there is, really is there a Big Wayne and, that sounds okay alright alright all right. is there know. a Big Wayne they got a Big Wayne he, he was is little it? he was Lil right. Wayne for a right. reason and all right. he was Lil Wayne, Wayne for a right. I want to know Hit us up on Facebook. Is Big Wayne real? It's a good life. Is fan. Big Wayne Little Wayne's dad? And is Big Wayne a guy who does flooring? If, hit us up. if those last two things are true. And hit us up over here. And that's my story, and that's it. We can go out on that. Look, man, this was the we did an entire episode of housekeeping. You know? Oh, we Jack? did. Yeah. We, we just did it. one full episode. That's all right. No, it's great because yeah. we, we haven't been doing the housekeeping. No, we haven't been doing that. Speaking of housekeeping, paying somebody to cut your grass, that's like a level of personal shame that falls easily above like paying hey. somebody to change your tire, but well look, below paying somebody look, to change your oil, though. I am, I, am, I am not ashamed of that because of the, the chemo and, no. and the hemoglobin issues and whatnot. You know? Cancer card, baby. Because I'm playing the cancer card on that one. I'm not getting out there and fuck cutting that grass right now. Right now. All right. Once Tracy and I get settled into the new digs, uh, then uh, you know we can talk about it. Look, this has been a great episode of uh, housekeeping and fun topics, and we teased at the top of the episode that we were going to talk about the Pelicans and Zion and <clears throat> Zion. Tune in to episode one sixty five for that. Okay, we will see you next time. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel Stales from New Orleans. We'll catch up with you next time. Yeah, you right. <laughs> <laughs>